Hey, this is Alex from Los Angeles. And this is Karen from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us, a journey of self-discovery through a shared love of film. We're two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but were both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, and moments in our lives, and then explore it through three of our favorite films. We hope these movies and topics are fun and revelatory to you, just like they've been to us. So with that, Alex, what's our topic of the day? So the topic for uh, this episode is the movies that shaped the meaning of the holidays, part two. So... It's that time of year again. It is the holidays. So we're Gosh. smack in the middle of it. You know, we got just came off of Thanksgiving. We got Christmas coming up and New Year's. Um, so it's that time of year when just the holidays seem to come fast and furious, at least here in the States. So for some of our uh, first time listeners, we just want to make it clear. These are the movies that shape the meaning of the holidays to us. Not necessarily our favorite holiday movies, but movies that really capture the meaning of what holidays mean to us. And this is a part two of another episode. We did uh, episode five. Why don't you go back and you it's can hear been a year, which is crazy. Yeah. to Oh, me. wow. Yeah, actually, that means it has been a year. Yeah. <laughs> since we recorded that episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'll start on how I kind of thought about this. And Kron, definitely want to hear your thoughts before we dive into the list. Um, so, you know, for me, at growing up in a, um, you know, secular Christian household, like holidays is still very much Christmas to me. Um, that right. is the the main holiday, though, like I mentioned at the outset, you know, there are a lot of different holidays that happen around this time of year. I was thinking back to, you know, movies I, I, uh, I watched a lot around this time, movies that capture the feeling of especially Christmas to me and what that means. You know, those families of family and being around the ones that you love. Um, That's really, to me, the meaning of, of the holiday. And uh, there's several movies that kind of deal with that in different ways that have been perennial uh, staples for me in terms of movies that I continue to go back and rewatch around this time. So I just can't wait to talk about those uh, to, to you and the listeners. So mm. what, what about you? How'd you approach this uh, this topic? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, I didn't grow up with Christmas in a huge way, even though, of course, you know, I, I knew of it. And and I think I might have mentioned this on the previous holiday episode that I just was so enamored by the idea of decorating a tree and mm. the whole Christmas spirit that me and my family, we sort of did a tree for a while, mm -hmm. even though we weren't sort of, you know, celebrating Christmas in the traditional sense. But I think the spirit of holiday, no matter what, festival or celebration you engage in is universal right. there's something about especially if you live in the northern hemisphere of, right. the, of, the, of the planet <laughs> yeah uh, there's a nippiness in the air no matter where you're at uh, life school work is all starting to kind of shut down a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a good time to you know see people and hang with people that you love and enjoy and and I think we covered a lot of this at least in my list in the previous episode on holidays that it's time of reflection as well mm -hmm. uh, so this time I don't think I dealt too much in the reflection side of things but really more in what what does the spirit of the holidays mean to me mm -hmm. and what movies represent that some of these movies I've been watching since, you know, a long, long time. Some of the movies are new entrants and now cool. will become part of my rotation. Nice. So excited to share all my movies with you and the listeners. Awesome. Well, yeah. Why don't you kick us off then and, and start at your number three movies that shaped your feeling of the holidays? All right. So my number three is a movie called Last Holiday from 2006. Directed by Wayne Wang, starring Queen Latifah, LL Cool J, Timothy Hutton. A quick logline, uh, upon learning of a terminal illness, a shy woman decides to sell all her possessions and live it up 
at posh Central European hotel. So I put this movie on my list because this movie to me is sort of that representation of unbridled joy and that feeling of, you know, happiness and, and holidays and honestly really getting out of the way and getting everything else out of your way and mm. doing the things that you enjoy doing thing, doing the things that bring you joy. Uh, it's about self-care. It's about loving the people you love. Um, and yeah, once again, sort of underlining that feeling of joy. Um, and then really by the end of it to me, I don't know if the movie does this, but at least to me, this movie always was about, it's actually not just the holiday season. Mm. You can extend this way of living, of self-care and prioritizing joy, and in some ways, kindness as well, all year round. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this woman, Queen Latifah's character is, is dealt with, you know, a heavy hand in life and that could have happened at any point in her life. Mm -hmm. uh, and she just makes the most out of it. And I find that, you know, very powerful and moving. Um, to that end, the movie is a cheesy movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, this could very easily be a lifetime movie or a present-day Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. But there are two things that elevated from that sort of, that affair, which, you know, I'm not going to knock those movies because they're fun as well in their yeah, own way. I love way. those films. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... This movie is elevated because of two reasons. One, this thing is shot in actual locations, which makes a huge difference because you're actually transported. And number two, right. it has a great central performance that really grounds the whole thing. Uh, and that's what really makes it. Um, and I think, you know, it's a very funny movie. You're transported, like I said. You're in beautiful locations. You're kind of experiencing the joys of living life king size through her and living vicariously through her. And I think there's something very great about allowing yourself to do that just the way the character is doing that as well. And that's why you are locked in with the movie, or at least I have been always. Because I think growing up in most societies, it's almost like, oh, you shouldn't let go. or You shouldn't spend too much or you shouldn't enjoy yourself. It's almost like a sinful sort of thing. Right. And I think there's something about her performance, really. And of course, the plot of the movie is that she's kind of tippy-toeing in that world. So you as a viewer are also doing that with her, which I think is really fun and you enjoy that. And then before you know it, at least I find myself always entering a very positive state of mind because I've mm -hmm. been living that journey you know, through her and imagining what would I do, if what place would I go to. So your head is in that you know, on that plane, which is very, which is a happy place to begin with. And then once you get to that place, you then start see, seeing the world around you the way it is, mm -hmm. you know, and not in an apathetic way or in a jaded way, but, for, you know, seeing its beauty and its darkness. But because you are in like a comfortable, positive state of mind, I think you can then choose to react to all the beauty and the darkness in the world in a calm, controlled uh kind way which is what she does mm -hmm. so i don't know i i always walk away from this movie i've seen it many times of course the obvious message is you know live life king size make mm -hmm. the most out of it be present all of that but i think on several viewings over the last few years as the world has become so divided and crazy and what have you i think there's there's like a subtle message of just engaging with people who might be different from you 
who may not see the world the way you see it in a kinder way mm-hmm. uh, and see what happens. You know, even the the villains in this movie, they are, of course, vilified and they're caricatures and, and what have you. But there is a sense of kindness that comes from her towards mm-hmm. them as well. And I think there's that that to me ultimately is the message of kindness. And I will actually return on that message again in one mm-hmm. of my movies of kindness. But but yeah, I think the big logline of the movie is enjoy life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and live life king size. And that need not be in the month of December. That can happen anytime. So yeah, that's my number three last holiday. Yeah, no, I think the themes you mentioned uh, that this movie does have, I also associate, you know, with the holidays, which is kind of what her character goes through in the film when she finds out she was diagnosed with cancer, um, that you sort of take stock and like what does matter to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think she had that delayed gratification. She always like, oh, I want to be a chef, but I'm not really going to go out there and do anything. I have all these dreams. She has a journal of like all her things (laughs) she wants to do, but never actually does anything. Um, And then when she does start doing stuff, she realizes that's what she gets, you know, out of life. Um, And I do think your point around the, the, you know, I'll call them villains, the antagonists in the film, Mm -hmm. especially um, Timothy Hutton's character. Um, He's not a good guy. Like he's doing kind of, you know, not great things. Um, And then at the end of the film, instead of him getting punished, I mean, he, you know, he gets his comeuppance. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, he's goes basically like out on the, on a balcony to kind of maybe commit suicide. Like he's not in a good place after dealing with all these things. And instead of, and but then at that point, like Latifah does help him right. and still is like, you know, accepting of him. She's not like uh wishing ill on him whatsoever. Right. Um, which I think is a lot of, again, something that uh, is part of, um, you know, the spirit of the holidays, like seeing good in everyone, even those folks who, you know, might have done things wrong. Like he you you could tell he also felt a lot of remorse for some of the things that he was doing in his life that happened in the film and outside of the film um, right. that I think uh, definitely speak to the holidays. Um, I'd never seen this movie before. Um, I'd oh, heard really? of it. Yeah, yeah. I'd heard huh. of it before. But I never seen it. Um, and I think it's one of those movies that and you kind of touched on this, too, of, you know, the things that elevated for you and one of them being central performance. I'm assuming you mean Queen Latifah when you say that. Right. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a vehicle where the movie sort of lives or dies by her. Um, right. And like for me, like her performance just didn't really work at all. Um, I thought <laughs> she just like was like woefully miscast and her persona just did not work in what this movie was trying to do. Um, I just didn't like, she couldn't handle the dramatic scenes very well. Like when she finds out she's dying, I didn't really believe it. She has a moment in the church when she sort of is singing like, Oh, woe is me. Like, why'd you do this to me? God, which is some, you know, the movie can take that. And there's some dramatic moments in the film. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was, she really sold it. And I don't know. I, you know, there's that that um, sense in movies where it's like, oh, everyone loves this person because they got that thing, that it thing. And, you, you know, you, this the plot sort of needs that for the the plot to move along. Like, why would anyone hang out with this person? Oh, because they have the thing. And then you kind of buy into it. I just didn't see like, why does anyone think she's that great? I don't know. I, I To me, like it didn't work. And it's not that I don't think she's a good, you know, actor. She was Oscar. I mean, if you're Chicago and you put her in the right vehicle, I think she can work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Some, something about her in this film just was like, did not did not work for me at all. And I can kind of see why that her career after this, she seems to be leaning more into uh, like some of the older types of roles that she used to do before this that kind of worked a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also kind of interesting too, like just when the movie came out, I think you said it was like 06 or something. 
just the that tone of the time of the of the, those movies of being so like more slapstick and fun. And then it the, the, definitely comedies, I think, after this turned to more like kind of mean spirited and uh, like darker and more gross out humor, especially with female leads. Right. And it was kind of fun kind of going back and like, oh, yeah, this is sort of what movies used to be or this type of these types of comedy. So that was kind of nice. And it did remind me a lot of those Lifetime and Hallmark movies or, you know, Netflix holiday movies, which I love. Um, but yeah, her performance just didn't didn't really work with me. And and yeah, just like I guess the tone overall was a little odd. Um, the the doctor, there's a doctor character that diagnoses right. her with cancer. And I don't really understand what they were trying to do with that guy. Um, he was playing everything for laughs, like a cancer diagnosis for laughs, which I feel like you need a little bit of dramatic weight in the film. And then actually speaking of villains that I just said all about Tim Hutton and kindness and all this stuff, and I thought was great. But then there's another character in the film who's like her boss um, at the Bloomingdale's or whatever that she works. And the movie kills him in an after credit sequence, which is like really odd. (laughs) I was like, that's weird. Like why kill this guy? Like, (laughs) He didn't need to die. He wasn't like a bad person. And I get that we're yeah. trying to like play a joke with it, which sort of goes back to that feeling I had of all the dramatic moments. They kind of try to play them for laughs. And I don't know. It didn't really work for me, but um, the hotel was cool. Like I definitely want to want to go hang out in that hotel. Oh. And uh, the food looked nice. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just wouldn't want to be there with the queen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick somebody else. Yeah. I mean, on Queen Latifah's part, I can see where you're coming from. And maybe this, we talk a lot about this on this podcast about like, when did you first watch this movie? I'm quite sure if I watched this movie the first time now, I would be like, oh my gosh, what is happening? You know, I would have a very similar reaction to you and probably even worse. I don't think I would even make it through it, but there's (laughs) something about when I saw it and it sort of stuck with me from that time. And now that I have watched it many times, I almost feel like, having Queen Latifah, who's not the obvious choice for a movie like this, actually works for the movie. Because mm. her screen presence, which is sort of larger than life, is hard to imagine her as like a shy person who's, true, you know, held back or what have you. But I don't know, to me, that actually works. Not to say that, you know, she's selling every dramatic moment, but then to your other point, I don't think that's the tone or the point of the movie to begin with, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. not really underlining the dramatic parts. Like, this is not a dram- dramedy. It is really, I think they're going yeah. for the comedic slapstick yeah. side of things. And mm-hmm. and again, I said up, up top, like, this is not like a five-star movie for sure. Sure, sure. You know? yeah. so, so there's, you know, that. So I, I don't know, I, I forgive it more just mm. based on when I started to watch it and I know what this movie is signing up to do when it delivers <laughs> what it's promising, nothing more than that. Yeah. You raise a good point about like, I was wondering when I was watching this, like why she was cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think you na- hit the nail on the head of why, like she's playing against type, right? Um, you know, her big hit before this, I think I don't know if it was right before this or in a couple years before, which really kind of made her into a box office draw was that film with um, Steve Martin, uh, yeah. bringing down the house bringing where the she house, plays yeah. like this you know very outwardly crazy right. like you know tasmanian devil type character right. who comes into his life and in this movie she's playing exactly against type so now i understand why she was cast i just think she's not a good actress to pull off this role that that's sort of like it's not yeah but now i at least now understand that makes sense of why at the time it's like oh let's pl- let's take her role but kind of flip it on her head a little bit because now was- she is very reserved and you're like whoa this is weird like queen latif is usually like yeah lives life to the fullest 
And she doesn't until, you know, the third act of the, or really the second act of the film. Right. Um, but, you know, I will say, I, this is a remake, I believe, um, of a film, isn't it? I think it's a remake. Oh, really? I ah. think so, of an older, I think, of an older film. And it's, I feel like if you're, if the premise is someone dying of cancer, it's, you're kind of signing yourself up to be a dramedy and you need to play some, there has to be like some serious moment in this film. Um, but yeah. LL Cool J was good. I I, I, I got to yeah. mention that. He was, he was great in this. He was very good. Yeah. He was very charming. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Just uh, never, yeah, never, never would have seen this. And it was nice <laughs> to, uh, yeah, nice. It's lighter fare, which I, again, appreciate it. Lighter fare. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Why All don't right. we, what uh, is your number three? Yeah, we can move on to my number three. Uh, my number three is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas from mm -hmm. 1993. Uh, this film is directed by Henry Selleck. Um, it's a stop motion animated film. So it stars the voices of Chris Sarandon, Danny Elfman, Catherine O'Hara and Paul Rubens. The IMDb plot summary is Jack Skellington, King of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion. So this film for me um, is a perfect and kind of unique blend of two holidays that happen at, you know, towards the end of the year, Halloween and Christmas, which to mm -hmm. me were two of my favorite holidays growing up as a kid. Like those were the ones that I was always looking forward to the most. And also in my mind, like I, I said, you know, at the outset, I grew up in the United States in a you know secular Christian household and the holidays were bookended to me by, you know, the holiday season, I should say, was Halloween was the beginning of it and Christmas was kind of the end of it. Like New Year's wasn't much of a holiday I celebrated as a kid. It's not until you get older that New Year's becomes sort of like the party thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, this movie starts with the end of Halloween and ends right after the Christmas holiday. So it kind of captures that, um, which, uh, I, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of rolled in there, too, though this movie doesn't deal with that particular holiday. Uh, but one of the themes um, and the lessons, because a lot this movie has a lot of things you know going on and a lot of different things it's trying to say uh, but what i take away from it and and still do to this day and the reason why it's on this list is it really tries to say that you know these holidays especially christmas there is a deeper meaning to it uh beyond all of those like surface level things which are really cool like i love the decorating the tree as a kid and you know mm -hmm. having it snow on christmas and all these things that you know you think of as part of the holiday which are important but that isn't really the true meaning uh, of what the holiday is. Um, and the way that this film shows this, and that's the way that I kind of connect to this film because of it is, you know, like the mention in the plot summary, um, you know, there's a, this is like a world of each, there's like a town for every holiday. Um, and Jack Skellington's character is head of Halloween town. And uh, he understands Halloween really well. There's this great opening sequence in the, in the film, a musical sequence, I guess I should have mentioned as a musical right. um, where they're kind of singing about what Halloween is. And it's very clear. Everyone in town understands like Halloween is is about scares and the chills and gross out stuff. There's like a guy with his face melting off and someone with, um, you know, a uh, axe through their head. Um, so they get what Halloween is. And obviously they look very Halloween, like the aesthetic of Halloween town has that surface level trappings. But they also understand the heart of what Halloween is. And then when Jack stumbles into this Christmas town, which is the same kind of town, but all with the trappings of Christmas. Like it's got the snow, it's got the elves and Santa. And he all of a sudden is like, oh, this is cool. Like I want to copy this and I think I can do this. But he doesn't really understand what Christmas actually means, which mm -hmm. is, um, you know, sharing and laughter and joy. So when, you know, hit the Halloween town take over Christmas, 
they're okay great there's presents cool we'll do presents but instead of putting like a nice toy in there it'll be like some crazy creature that when the kid you know opens it up it's starting to attack people so it's like they only understand christmas at a at a base level um which is something that is especially christmas and halloween too because there's a lot of great visual stuff that you know you can really get into it's easy to and i've done this in the past too, kind of lose the kind of like the deeper meaning and the point of what the holiday right. is. Like you think it's only just you decorate your house with lights and, you know, give presents and that's really okay. Done. I've done Christmas, you know, check, 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 exactly. move on. Um, but really it's not about that. It's about, you know, being with the people that you love, um, spreading joy and laughter to one another. It's all the things that Santa does in this film. Um, and that, uh, you know, he understands what Christmas is like, that's his job, uh, but it's not Jack's. Um, so, I think this movie to me, because I sometimes fall victim of forgetting, uh, you know, being too distracted by listening to the carols and eating the food and and not really focusing on the important things, which are spending time with your family and and uh, with those the ones that uh, the ones that you love. So that's why this film uh, I wanted to include it on on the list um, just as a you know, the remind every time I see this movie, I'm just reminded of that. Yes, you can enjoy those things, but, you know, you want to be around the folks that you care about. And that's mm-hmm. the true meaning of the holidays. Um, and, you know, not to mention this movie is also a, you know, just fantastically made masterwork and stop motion animation. I mean, a lot of innovative camera work at the time um, that really makes this movie feel real. Um, and it's not a lot of locked camera shots, which before this, a lot of stop motion did not have a moving camera. Um, the, obviously, the uh, visuals in this film are incredible, uh, you know, based on a Tim Burton story. So they have his illustration aesthetic uh, that Henry Selleck was able to capture um fantastic music in it too it's a musical and that's important to me have good music like the this is halloween song is incredible the oogie boogie sequence with the black lights is great um Mm -hmm. and it's just fun too to look back on this film which i mean i saw this in theaters when i was really young um and it was mild success like it kind of did okay when it came out and then it became kind of a cult hit and i remember seeing this in a re-release in college actually my first couple months in school there was a re-release uh at the disney-owned theater here in hollywood um, so I went to that. So it was kind of like a cult classic. And now it's transcended even that. And it's it's just everywhere. I mean, you can't escape at this time of year. Um, right. You know, not only does Disneyland kind of create uh, their their own, you know, put the Night Before Christmas characters all in the haunted, haunted mansion. But I mean, I was just in Vegas recently and there was this big sign for this um, like brunch before Christmas at some hotel. And it literally <laughs> was the same aesthetic. It's got like the droopy mountains and same fonts. And like now this is this is like that cultural phenomenon that I think the film deserves. So just fun to see it evolve over the years um, and fun to give it a rewatch uh, for the podcast. That's my yeah, number three. Cool. Yeah. Um I had never watched this movie before. I think I tried to watch this movie twice before. And for some reason, I fell asleep in the first song. Oh, no, that's the best part is literally the first song. (laughs) That's my favorite part. I know, which is probably more on me because I think I watched this, tried to watch a movie when I was sort of tired or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to kind of finally watch it and agree with everything you said. It's very smart. And Mm -hmm. I can see why this movie probably didn't strike gold you know, when it came out, because because it is more cerebral. Mm-hmm. It is not what you expect from a movie like this, which is a musical, has Christmas in the title, about the holidays. And even though it is joyful and fun, it's quite cerebral. And like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it demands something from its audience to engage at a deeper level, which, like you said, is the point of the movie. So, and I think that's what the movie expects from you as well. And I think... Maybe I was coming to it from those expectations as well, unconsciously and and 
and was maybe startled by, oh, this is not that movie. This is like a totally different affair. Mm. Um, I still will say that even though I watched it, I think I admired it more than I actually loved it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is also I'm not a big stop motion animation person. Oh, okay. Person. I see. Like I really admire it, you know, how it's created. And I think I get a little bit lost and distracted by the machinations of what it would take to put mm. it, put this together. Mm-hmm. And that can sort of take me out of what is actually happening. And then when you have music on top, it can be a little bit of an overwhelming experience to the point that my brain starts to tune out. Mm. I I had to fight that even this time around. I didn't fall asleep. So that's good. good. It's a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, once again, I really admire it. I really appreciate it, the deeper meanings. And I'm so glad that this movie exists because I think that that meaning that you highlighted needs to be underlined. Mm-hmm. And it's actually true for Halloween as well, you know, in a yeah, different way. That's it's true. not just about Christmas. It's really about any holiday. You can so easily get distracted about with the scares and, you know, mm-hmm. getting wild and this being your free pass holiday where you can be horrible or idiotic or what have you but there is more to that so Mm -hmm. i'm very glad that this movie exists uh and i'm glad that it's taken this sort of huge pop cultural you know status uh i even i recognize the font Mm -hmm. and the droopy hills and the moon from a mile i know what this is so Mm -hmm. so i was happy to watch it but yeah not my cup of tea not going to be on the your rotation no okay cool Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you finished it and didn't fall asleep in the opening <laughs> song, which is like a high, that that sequence alone. Like sometimes oh, I'll just watch amazing. it on YouTube. It's just fantastic. It's I, actually, amazing. I think the the reveal when Jack kind of comes out of the um uh he sets himself on fire and jumps into the well and he kind of like rises up as the song is swelling is one of the best like introductions of a character in any movie. It's just like epic stuff. So uh, glad glad you didn't fall asleep. I would agree. <laughs> glad you didn't that. fall asleep. <laughs> um, cool. So what is your number two? Okay, my number two is a movie called After the Thin Man from 1936, directed by W.S. Van Dyke, starring William Powell, Myrna Loy, and a very young and handsome Jimmy Stewart. Quick logline, private detective Nick Charles and his wealthy wife, Nora, are back home at last and hoping for a quiet New Year's Eve when there's a murder. The obvious suspect is his wife, Nora's cousin, Selma. So... I put this movie on my list because this movie kind of represents the chaos of the holidays uh, in my mind, um, where there are parties, there are all these people that are sort mm-hmm. of showing up from nowhere, people you don't even know, or people that you do know, like distant cousins, relatives that you actually don't <laughs> want to engage with. And all you're trying to find is like a little quiet moment with the person or the people that you actually want to be with and yeah. have like a nice holiday. And this is what this movie represents. But the deeper layer as the movie goes on is that when you stop fighting that chaos and you actually join up with your person or persons and just sign up for the ride of chaos, it actually becomes fun. And you actually end up bonding with each other and the people that you care about more. And in a, in a weird sort of 
upside down way that is the point of the holidays like the fun isn't the chaos it the fun is in meeting people that you don't want to meet uh, and you will find your quieter moments right. uh, it'll for anything it'll give you a lot of material to f- laugh about for the rest of the year after you would have gone on this weird adventure during the holidays just meeting with these people so that's what i take away mm-hmm. from this movie uh, i watched this movie this year i actually just happened to watch the first uh, thin man movie oh. In the series, huh. and me and my boyfriend, we I think we've seen quite a few of them, and just were absolutely enthralled by these movies. Of first of all, this is the franchise, which is yeah, huge franchise, amazing, and and they are perfectly done. They are, you know, they have that quality of that they're easy, breezy, fun, screwball comedy movies that mm-hmm. you can just take it at surface level and have a good time. Or if you want to engage at a deeper level, you can do that too. They are not half-assed. They are brilliantly made, brilliantly acted, production, camera, all of that is like very, very well done. Um, but to me, this one in particular, the series really struck out mm. uh, for what it's trying to say. And I think... I never have sequels unlike you on my list because mm-hmm. I typically look down upon them. But I think oh. in this scenario, <laughs> they got a chance to kind of sharpen oh. what they started in the first one. The plot is meatier and they just the, the whole cast is really sprawling from the aunt and Selma and, of course, Jimmy Stewart and mm-hmm. everybody. Um, of course, the crackling dialogue, all of those you know things are firing at all cylinders at least for me but the crown jewel of the movie this movie and really all of these movies is the relationship between these two people i mean talk about couple goals like this is a relationship (laughs) of equals there's so much trust between the two of them they understand each other so deeply they're each other's misgivings each other's virtues they are there to make room for one another they are there to support or chastise or back off uh it's just such a perfect relationship and it's not heavy-handed at all you get Mm -hmm. to see that relationship through the eyes of the screwball comedy the mystery the craziness that's happening around them so and i think that to me is the genius of the movie which is why this is a big series and it still holds true the movie just felt so contemporary to me like this couple could be from any decade it's Mm. so hard to fathom that this is a movie from the 30s (laughs) and once again i think i've said this out loud in this podcast that you're often reminded that well yeah we a lot has changed but sometimes we say oh you know this uh, this never existed in the past and Mm -hmm. you're often surprised that it did right uh, in some ways you know and maybe the cyclical nature of life or history or what have you and of course a lot has changed since that time for sure yeah 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 but but there's something that sort of is evergreen so i don't know i just love this movie uh and yeah did i mention very handsome jimmy stewart uh also talks the same way. I know. <laughs> like he did. I'm like, what? You you started act talking like this from the very beginning. Yeah. Which was which kind of made me laugh out loud. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number two after the Thin Man. Yeah, it was uh it was funny when you said um the the highlight of the film or the, the one thing that's the the most important thing in this film. I thought you were gonna um talk about Aster the dog. Oh uh, Aster. And you never even mentioned him. 
I know, I forgot. <laughs> no, also it's... very cute. Yeah, and yeah. San Francisco in the beginning. Which That's also right. Made me happy. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So this is a movie that I never seen, and I actually never seen any of the Thin Man films at mm. all. I'd, I'd heard about them, I and mean, like mm. you said at the outset, I mean, this is a major franchise in the '30s. Um, several, I mean, like five or six of them, I think, something like yeah. that. They have um, kids and get yeah. older, and all sorts of things happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, huge franchise, and it was actually really funny. The um, the day before I was going to, I was just like, okay, I got to watch this movie. I hadn't seen it day before I, I was going to watch it. I was out to the movies with some friends. Um, and somehow the topic came up of like most famous on-screen pairings. Um, and someone was proposing, uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall's like the number one, you know, and this other guy was like, no, actually like that clearly you've never seen the thin man's. So those are like the uh, best on-screen couple I've ever seen. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Interesting timing. Like I'm going to watch this movie. Um, so maybe it was built up in my head a little bit much, but I don't know. Like it just, it just didn't, it, it I think it's similar to actually those Queen Latifah comments from the last yeah. film. It's like if you buy it, they like you said too, like yeah. you gotta buy that, and that has to be what's interesting because there's really not a lot else going on. And I don't know, like I just wasn't. They didn't. I don't know. They didn't hit me and feel like I wanted to hang out with these guys. I mean, so yeah, the movie was interesting just from a like cultural standpoint of like, okay, these are like the two biggest you know, some of the biggest stars of the time, this mm -hmm. franchise was very popular with, with folks in the thirties. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, like I, it wasn't bad. Like I could see why this movie was well-crafted all the things that you mentioned too, about especially the nature of their relationship in terms of, uh, how they're written and their chemistry between one another. Um, definitely like a more modern, it's like a modern, you know, type of relationship that anyone right. would want. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know something about it. Like I just wasn't digging their personas or something. I don't know. I didn't find it really that funny. It was a little too like uh screwbally and I don't know, like vaudeville type humor. Yeah, it it wasn't bad. Um, but uh if, if you think this is the highlight of the franchise, like maybe I won't be putting <laughs> the rest of the five on I my haven't seen all of soon. them. Okay, but the okay. three that I saw, I like yeah. this one the most. And I can see that, you know, like I mean, let me ask you this. Are you into screwball comedies like His Girl Friday and, and movies yeah, like that? Not really. Yeah, yeah it's not really then a genre. Not like that, this. Yeah, it's not really sure. one of my the genre that I necessarily am, am yeah. super enthralled with. Um, And again, like watching, I can tell, oh, I can see why this was successful. I can yeah. see why even now, like, you know, the Thin Man franchise is something I all, I've heard about, like from a lot of different people and is yeah. is uh, still held up as like these movies are, you know, are great. So not knock against the film. It just didn't. For yeah. me, I'm like, okay, like I get what this is. You know, these guys yeah. are fine. I, the dog was cool, though. It was interesting that the, the opening, uh, you know, uh, opening like the, the folks come back or the, the couple yeah. comes back and they have the dog and everything. And then the dog like catches his dog girlfriend or whatever who had an affair <laughs> with another dog and had puppies and i was like whoa this is like a really like adult storyline yeah, yeah, yeah. With, like the dog like the, the uh, he has to like chase the other you know the the adulterous dog away and you know yeah. was, that was that was pretty funny and the dog and also the dog is someone who i'd heard of too of uh yeah one of the biggest on-screen dogs like this dog made like a million it wasn't a million dollars a year but it was like one of the higher paid right. canine actors ever um who survived through all the films uh really famous dogs it was fun to just see like a, right. a very famous dog and the dog was great and very funny and very uh, funny very you know. cute yeah, yeah yeah the dog was great but yeah, yeah like I, I don't know i just was uh i guess i could say disappointed in a way because 
I'd heard about these movies so long. And then literally like, the day before the guy's like, this is mm. like better than Bogey and Bacall. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, great. I'm, I'm ready to, uh, oh, to get I'm in there sorry. with the thin man, but no, you know, it's, it's a film that I have always wanted or the, this franchise is a franchise. I've always wanted to see what it's like. Cause it keeps ending up on all these different lists and things. And I'm like, I should check out the thin man stuff at one time. So at least I can know what it was. Um, not for you. I think it's a screwball really. thing. Like if you're not yeah, in this, yeah. into the screwball thing, totally. and I'll tell you, it took me a while to get into it. Cause the first time I watched his girl Friday, I was like, I get why yep. this is considered a masterpiece and right, right. dialogue and everything, mm-hmm. but I'm not really into it. But then yeah. it took me a few, you know, viewings to then really get on with it and then really enjoy it. So I think the day you start enjoying screwball comedies, you will enjoy this movie. Come back to the franchise. Yeah. This, okay. this couple as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Perhaps. And I, but I will say just getting back to the theme that, you know, it, this movie definitely did a very good job of the, okay, we finally have some time to ourselves and then you don't. And the whole yeah. movie, they're just trying to... So, And that is something I definitely associate uh, with the holidays, um, especially around this time, just the chaos of, of that. Um, yeah. Like all these holidays Opening actually at the end of the, the year. The party and all is like really well done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even like cinematically, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much going on, like, you know, so yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was fun to finally... Uh, actually, one question I did have for you, and maybe I should have just wikipedia this. Why is is the thin man a reference to the murder in the first movie or something? And yeah. Do you know why was it called the thin man? It is that I think I've forgotten it because okay. I watched the first one a little while ago, like the beginning of the year. So I've forgotten. Yeah, okay. And I mean, in this one too, spoiler alert, I, I shouldn't mean, spoil it. The killer well, in this movie is oh, that's, also... I never thought about that. It's that, so... It, yeah. then maybe they should have called it instead of After the Thin Man, which I like because it was like, this is a sequel to The Thin Man, whatever right. the first... It, 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 another Thin Man. <laughs> or a second Thin Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool, so speaking of, of second, maybe I can jump into uh-huh. my, my second film here. So uh, the second film on my list of uh, movies that shaped the feeling of the holidays for me is Krampus from 2015. This is a film directed by Michael Dugherty, starring Adam Scott, Tony Collette, uh, David Kochner, Allison Tolman, MJ Anthony. And the IMDb plot summary, a boy who has a bad Christmas accidentally summons a festive demon to his family home. Um, this film is a horror holiday comedy hybrid um and the reason why i put this on my list uh it's, it's a newer film that is now becoming my rotation um mm-hmm. so it's not something i saw in theaters actually like nightmare before christmas not something i've seen as much as that film uh, but i did discover this on on vod and uh for me what this really does is uh in a in a way that is a, a in the vein of a horror comedy through the vein of a horror comedy it talks about how it's it's very easy to it forget the meaning of Christmas and just focus on all the stress aggravation, all the negative things, um, which is something that is very easy to do during the times of the holidays too. And you kind of get that bah humbug feeling sometimes just be like, God, I just want this all to be over because of the chaos in it. Um, and you know, you're, you're with a lot of family, you know, I'd go to, uh, you know, relatives houses or have people, you know, come over and, you know, just get all the Christmas shopping done. And there's always a lot of things to do. And that definitely can be very stressful. You're put under the same roof as a lot of relatives. And sometimes those can lead to be stressful situations too, where you're just sort of like, oh, like, I just don't want to be around, you know, people right now. Cause they're all just kind of stressing me out. Um, and in this film, the, uh, the young, uh, son in the movie, um, sort of similar to actually Home Alone, which is another Christmas movie, I guess, where he wishes his family was gone. 
Um, and, and because this is a horror film, unlike Home Alone, where they just leave him in a house and fly off to Paris, the a old Germanic demon comes and basically starts killing off the family members one by one um, as a curse that's placed over this family because this boy, you know, wishes, you know, kind of forgets the meaning of Christmas to just focus on those those negative things. Um, so again, can relate, uh, to this sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and then try to remind myself, like not to be that Ebenezer Scrooge and bah humbug piece. Um, but, uh, I think this, um, you know, this movie also focuses a lot on how sometimes you do feel like the holidays is a little bit of like just work or an obligation. Like in this film, both of the parents are like, fine, we'll take, you know, our relatives are coming again. Like we don't enjoy this, but like, we got to do it because it's the holidays. Um, and that again is easy to fall into that trap too. And forgetting the reasons why, you're 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 doing this in the first place you should love love these people and want to be around them and that's why they're coming home for christmas not because it's something that uh you just okay we just kind of have to do this um so that is something to again a trap that you can easily fall into um uh and yeah like i think the you know the horror stuff for what it is works really well like there's great creature designs good scares good death scenes things you want in a in a in a horror film but with enough of that mix of fantasy and then holiday spirit i mean it's definitely there um in in this film uh that uh, i think is important to uh you know help just remind me of uh yeah that this stuff can be annoying and you know be aggravating you can wish your family to be gone sometimes but (laughs) at the end of the day you know it is you know the the holiday is a special time and you want to be around those folks like at the end of the film like he's all back together with his family and learns his lesson that um you know he should not have wished his family away and the family actually becomes closer together too. you know, in the beginning, you can tell they don't really like each other very much. They bickering at the dinner table, but then because these monsters are coming, like some killer gingerbread men and presents that'll eat you, they have to kind of gang up. Um, and, uh, the dad, Adam Scott, who was sort of judging, uh, this, uh, brother-in-law who was like the survivalist talking about guns and all that, all this stuff. And you sort of look down upon him because of that. Now they're in a survival scenario. And it was like, oh yeah, no, I, I want, yeah. How do you do the guns again? We need to shoot these demons. So it, in a way, like the family kind of gets brought together as they're killed. Um, and, uh, they're all each reminded of the true, you know, meaning of the holidays, which, which is family. So yeah, I, I watch this film almost every year now. Um, it's kind of gone into my rotation and, uh, yeah, it's just a fun horror comedy, fairy, fantasy, fanny, fairy tale, basically. And that's, uh, that, that's Krampus. Cool. Yeah. I don't think I'd, maybe I'd heard of this movie, but I'd not watched it. Um, so this was my first time watching it. Yeah, I had a hard time with this. Movie. I could. I, 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 I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> I mean, not the horror stuff is actually cool. I, um, oh, really? You like that? But I think the rest of it, I don't know. Like, so this is maybe a spoiler alert. So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, you can mm-hmm. turn it off and then come back once I'm finished talking about this movie. But isn't the reveal that the whole thing is like a dream? It's not that it's a dream. It's point they, of view. No, it's it's that actually like um he so all the family members get killed um in the film and he actually sacrifices himself to save uh, his um uh one of his family at the end so that Krampus who's the you know demon who's cursed them right. kind of goes away and you think everything's okay but actually like you you never can take back this wish that he granted so now Krampus has has the family trapped in like a snow globe, even though, yeah, they're happy and they're forever in the, 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 uh, you know, perfect Christmas morning, but they actually are not in reality anymore. They all are dead. And they're in this, I guess, hell world that Krampus controls. I see. So it's sort of like a twist ending in the sense of actually things didn't work out. And the kid did 
wish make this wish that did not actually get reverted, even though he kind of got what he wanted in terms of this uh this nice family moment at the end of the film. At least that's how I that's how okay. I interpreted it. That makes me a little bit more positive on the movie because the moment the whole movie shifted into a horror movie tone i was like please don't make this one of those movies where this turns out to be a dream oh <laughs> and then i was like oh shit this is exactly what this is and i was like oh gosh this is just silly <laughs> so well, it's, it's more depressing than that it's not a dream like that i i they're all dead i think is I how know, I well, but at movie. least there's some sort of that's more interesting I oh, right. I see what you're saying. What you right, right. Said, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of that just feels very silly to me. So I think yeah. that was one thing that was sort of bothering me. And then, I don't know, this sort of thing of like, oh, the family comes in, like the cousin's family and everybody's like demonic and everybody's yeah. like that. Like I had the same thing with uh, what was the John Candy movie that you had on your list? Like that, of course, is Great Outdoors, Great outdoors. from our like, summer that, episode. Yeah, has some nostalgia and of course it's John Candy so there's some mm-hmm. like adorableness to it and Dan Aykroyd worse than this movie with the way it's shot you know it's like a modern movie you mm-hmm. know digital movie like it could be a Netflix film essentially mm-hmm. I don't know I, I just there's something that's just been done so many times that it immediately kind of makes me tune out. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, all of you are annoying and bad, you know, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. And how come this one child is the only person who's sane in this entire family, which by the way is Pedro from It's Complicated, who's horrible in that movie, who's uh, Alec Baldwin's little son. Oh, really? Bell's character, exactly. Oh, interesting. The lunatic oh. child as referred to by Zoe Kazan in that movie. So, oh, interesting. And, so I was like, I oh, didn't catch oh. that. Yeah, it's like you're the only sane one, and then <laughs> the grandmother and oh, she she's German. Okay, I get that because they needed a Germanic thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It it was fine. Like I was I wasn't bored. So that's oh, I think, okay. Um, that's good. Yeah, uh, but wasn't into it. I actually like the horror stuff. Actually, I was mm-hmm. like, hey, this is good. Like this. Mm-hmm is landing on on me the production design uh the special effects all of that character design of Krampus all of that actually worked pretty well I just wish that maybe in the beginning of the movie the way that set up the whole house mm-hmm. with all these characters I wish that was maybe a little bit more grounded mm, I would have right, been yeah. way more invested in what is happening versus the moment you make just one person and everybody else is two-dimensionally bad mm-hmm. I'm sort of like okay you know this is not real so right. then nothing scares me after that because it's all not real. Mm. So I, then I look at, oh, good character design. I right. should not be thinking about that. I should be getting yeah. scared uh, Yeah, what's happening. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, I think it makes it easier as the viewer to not care when these people die because yeah, they are so I, two-dimensional, which is, you know, you kind of get an enjoyment out of the deaths as opposed to like, because they all get killed essentially right. and it's like hard to at first you're like, oh my god like they actually killed that person like that's it's okay it's that kind of movie uh but because these characters you know have uh i don't want to even say flaws but they're very one-dimensional and like a cartoonishly negative right. sort of like and these are the, the typical annoying relatives with nothing else redeemed them it is not realistic you're you're, you're totally right um but, but uh, I guess it is a B movie, and so yeah, how yeah. I define B movies mm-hmm. that it's maybe that is the point. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also, it was funny. I don't know if you watched Staircase, the HBO movie, Mm-mm. HBO series. No, uh, I, I know of it, but I've, yeah, I've not seen yeah. it. Yeah, 
it was like, oh, this was sort of the audition reel for Tony Collette for that, because there's a very sort of similar, you know, somebody who's raging from the inside, but is keeping like a polite exterior. Uh, it was like the same performance, which was very interesting. Huh. Adam Scott looks good. So Adam Scott is I love Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah. he's always very good. He's yeah. yeah, he's fantastic. And yeah, Tony Collette actually does a really good job in this, too. I think that is what uh what helps me come back to the to this film a lot. It's the performances of uh, of the actors that are really well done. I mean, maybe the other reason why that is kind of a one note thing is it is got that like grim fairy tale sort of vibe to it, um, which those stories are like every character's one dimension because that's kind of right. the point of like a fairy tale. Um, and I know this is kind of riffing on some Germanic folklore, which I don't mm. know. I don't have any uh, German relatives, um, but uh, maybe that's, you know, why they they did that in the film but uh yeah i'm not surprised you hadn't really heard of this i think the movie like i did not do well it wasn't like a big hit but it's starting to gain a little bit of momentum as like kind of a cult movie that's how i uh-huh. sort of stumbled upon it i was like oh that's actually kind of good and each time every year i watch it i'm like eh, actually this you know it's like pretty enjoyable so it's something yeah, it's again, not like bad i wouldn't yeah. say like you know me i would not finish things oh i do even yeah though you assign me <laughs> things but yeah, i finished yeah. this movie I that's quite- good proud of myself even yeah. though apparently i missed the whole ending so i don't know what i watched so <laughs> there's that <laughs> cool. um, um okay okay so, yeah i think we're ready for your uh your number one all right so my number one is planes trains and automobiles from 1987 directed by john hughes starring steve martin john candy a uh, quick log line, if anybody has not seen this movie, uh, a Chicago advertising man must struggle to travel home from New York for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman and his own as his only companion. So, I mean, a lot has been said about this movie. This is sort of, you know, in the circles of the holiday movies that everybody loves. And well, not everybody. I know people who don't like this movie and I, I can understand oh, wow, why. Really? Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, for for some reasons. Um, okay. But, you know, of course, it's about the chaos and of the holidays, the airports and the delays and all of those things. But I won't, to me, this movie is not on my list for those reasons. To me, this movie is on, on my list because of the fact that the holidays are about kindness to families as well as found families, people who are not like you, who you might detest. Uh, and it is about opening your hearts, learning something from them, sharing something with them. Mm-hmm. The theme that we've been sort of sprinkling all along, I think this movie sort of really hits it. Um, and it is obviously one of the all-time funny movies with two brilliant performances uh, at the center of it. Um, but I think why this movie, at least to me, kind of holds the test of time and stands tall, it is because of John Candy. I think, I think it's somewhat, it's him, his acting, but also just his persona, whether real or not, he's sort of playing somebody who's sweet, somebody who's annoying, but at the same time, there is sort of this layer of sadness behind this person, a deep loneliness all Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that is why you click and lock in with him. Otherwise, the gag between, oh, John Candy does another goofy, silly thing that annoys Steve Martin will get old very quickly. Right. I don't think we will make it past the planes. I wouldn't make it past the planes. That would be the end of it for me. But but I think it is about 
John Candy's performance that there's something so sweet and sad about this person, which of course is revealed as the movie goes on. And mm-hmm. that's what keeps you locked in. Obviously, you know, Steve Martin is the best straight man who's irritated. There's nobody oh, yeah. better than him who plays that. And this might be probably the pinnacle of that persona of uh-huh. his. And you as an audience member just revel in that. And and then John Hughes, you know, mm-hmm. I was listening to the rewatchables and they did an episode on this. And I think oh. they said it really well that I didn't actually know they revealed on the movie that there's like a whole 40 minute yeah. kind of B-roll or whatever of things that didn't make it in the movie that had a lot more detail and such. And yeah, it explains things perhaps a little bit better, but I think it shows so much restraint on John Hughes's part to mm-hmm. make this movie its best version. And I think there's more said in those unanswered questions. You know, we don't need to know that the wife is suspecting the husband as to why mm-hmm. he's in some other place. Like that is not the part of the movie. We do not we do not need to go there. Or we do not need to know that the person who robs uh their wallets at the hotel was the pizza delivery person. We don't right need to know any of this stuff so i think there's that was really fun to hear but but yeah it's just it's really funny it's really sweet um and then i have to mention the final scene you know when he brings him back home mm-hmm. meets the family the kids the wife is coming down the stairs there's food laid out it gets me every single time because i think mm-hmm. that's where John Candy's loneliness and sadness sort of meets the warmth of this family. And, you know, you and it's some somehow this sort of this equal meeting between the two. Because so far, Steve Martin's character has been the one who's been on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's also been acting out and being mean to John Candy throughout the movie. Right. And this is that one moment where he gets to open his heart and welcome somebody and give actual joy to somebody. And there is just so much of great, without saying anything, the look on John Candy's face that, you know what, this friendship is now going to live for a whole life. Right. That look on his face is his return to him, which we don't know the backstory of Steve Martin's character, but I don't think he has many friends either. Mm -hmm. I don't think he does. Like he Mm -hmm. is, there's probably a whole other movie about him this picture perfect sort of family that we're seeing in the movie is more from perhaps the eyes of John Candy's character, even though he hasn't met this family, that's his aspiration of what holidays and family life could be. I don't think that's what's actually happening in reality. And in some ways by Steve Martin welcoming John Candy to his holiday festivities at Thanksgiving it sort of completes and really underlines the meaning of family and Thanksgiving and hence the holidays. So mm-hmm. yeah, but you don't have to read into any of this deeper meaning. You can just enjoy the ride, laugh out loud moments across the board. Uh, I love this movie. So that's my number one planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. This movie is, is fantastic. Um, um surprise there are people who don't take to it. That was surprised. <laughs> you say that at the beginning. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the, there's a lot of things that work really well in this movie. I mean, you mentioned obviously John Hughes, just one of his best. Um, and then the editing too. Um, yeah. Uh, Hirsch, I think is the guy's last. He also edited star Wars big, big time. Yes. Like one of the great editors. I've just did a fantastic job with this. And those extra scenes that were rumored for a really long time. And that finally got released mm. recently are a testament to that. But 
I really do think this movie is so special because of Candy and Martin, um, especially Candy. I do think this is the best performance in any it's film. It's his best. He is just the fantastic actor and just has such a great persona. But I don't think anyone else could have pulled this off to no. where that that one scene in the hotel room when when Martin really calls him out for that first time and kind of yells at him. And then John Candy has that, like, you hurt me. Like, I, yeah, I might be annoying and, you know, but I, I, I like who too. I am. I like who I am. Right. I'm an annoying guy, but I like who I am. And that hurt and that that scene is just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But how and I don't think anyone else could have delivered that. No, but John Candy, because, yeah, if I was Steve Martin, he would annoy the hell out of me, too. Right. He's not like a he's a nice guy, but he is can be grating. But because he has that pure heart. Um, and he's just an honest with himself and with the world. Um, I think that makes him redeemable in his his annoyance. Um, and Martin too, because that role could you could very easily come off as a, a total jerk, and, right? And be like, oh my god, why are you so mean to this guy? Like, yeah, right. he's annoying, but why are you so mean? And I think Steve Martin's per- per- persona too. He's very good at being like this, um, like put upon every man, where you kind of relate to this guy because it's like. Yeah, but like if I was in that situation, I kind of would act the same way because he it just got that relatability. Um, And I think that's why as an audience member, you don't you're not like on anyone's side. You're like, oh, this is it's a buddy movie. Right. So you want to you're you're into both those guys. Allegiances uh, shift throughout the movie. And exactly far from one note. You bringing back the phrase like it's actually very complex. Yes, you know, it it totally is. And I think that's why this movie does stand the test of time so much, because these characters feel real. Yeah. Um, as silly as some of these circumstances are, like them driving a car that totally got you know, burned to shreds, it probably wouldn't actually, um, you know, actually drive. Um, but uh, you know, you you believe that these people are real, even if the situation exactly might be exaggerated. The thing I was saying earlier, right? Like what I was my equip with Krampus. I mean, it's I should not be comparing these two. Yeah, they're, they're different. For the, yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. heck of it, you yeah. know, like. If this movie was not what the way it's made and how complex it is, by the time that car scene happens, I would be like, oh my gosh, of course. Right, right. right this is right. going wrong, of course. And mm-hmm. I would be so angry at the movie. And maybe the, the people who don't like the movie, maybe that's if they don't, if they haven't really sat with the movie properly, I can see that being a bit annoying. That Like it just gets oh, too much. Exactly. But mm. I don't think that is the case with this movie at all because of, their performances and and how they play off of each other. Yeah, and the situations are exaggerated, but they're things that are very relatable too. True. Like the the humor of missing your plane and then trying to get a trying to get yeah. rental cars and the headaches with the hotels and like this is all stuff that is very relatable and it's totally. heightened a little bit. Um so there is some I mean I think that's what John Hughes does really well in so all good. of his films honestly like even the ones that are a little bit more fantastical like the you know we covered Ferris Bueller's Day Off on our summer right. episode so folks can go listen to that if they want to hear our thoughts on that film but you know that movie is is very you know fantastical elements to it but there is those characters feel real as heightened totally. as they are and I think he also does the same thing with uh uh with Candy's uh role and and Steve Martin's as well so yeah totally. I think this movie is a classic. It's fantastic. One of the best, uh, you know, buddy films and and holiday films too. Because even mm-hmm. though it is over Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, I think it does, to your point, represent all these sort of end of the year holiday, you know, Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving, and they all kind of share a common thread of th- a theme totally. to them. Um, totally. One last thing: watching this movie this time, it just made me think of that weirdly. This movie in the current day landscape 
is also kind of political. Like if this movie was hmm. made today, John Candy's character would probably be represented or there would be tones of, you know, oh, you're from maybe a red state or oh oh right you know right. or or steve martin is sort of your classic sort of coastal person and and i'm sort of glad that this movie obviously it was made in a different time so it mm-hmm. doesn't even delve into any of that but if you want to engage with the movie in in that way you can sort of read into it and once again the message i was sort of highlighting up top is that that's okay. You can be very different from each other. You can be annoying and grating on each other, but there is still a way to, you know, meet each other in with kindness. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the movie underlines. And and to your point, like because you see these people as real human beings, suddenly all these other trappings of your associations, your job, all of that start to f- fall away as mm-hmm. the movie, you know, goes along. So I thought that was kind of amazing yeah yeah it's very topical in that sense you know it does and i think in terms of reading like uh political messages into the film which i do i do think there are some some threads to that you know i I would i was looking at it in this last reflection these things for some reason were kind of coming out at me a little bit more it was interesting seeing steve martin's character who is this you know kind of yuppie successful financially he's in the suit like he's like this business guy and throughout the film Every time he runs into a problem, he just tries to buy his way out of it. Right. And never works. Candy is someone who, you know, yeah, he's engages not, like, with people. Exactly. He uses kindness to get everything that they get in this film and to move them closer and closer mm-hmm. to their their destination, which is, you know, Chicago with Martin's family. It's, oh, I know this guy. Oh, I sold him some things. He remembers me. I'm going to. So it's his kindness that actually succeeds on every issue that they run into whereas even though he's a con artist in some in many ways okay fine i guess you're right he is he tries to sell those the women those uh shower curtains is like expensive earrings that 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 is a great scene um but uh yeah i mean i think it's just a testament to you can't buy your way out of situations very easily and then at the end of the day it is just being a nice person and being an open soul and having friends and connections um, is what got them to to Chicago. It was not Steve Martin and his uh, his credit card. Um, so that that was that was sort of like the political message of yeah. this movie that I read. Is like you can't buy your way to 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 what you want. It's just about kindness and being kind, like Candy was. But uh, yeah, just a I agree. Fantastic I film. Um, so I think good. This one is great. All right. So what's your number one, Alex? So my number one to actually continue the theme of John Hughes goes. Uh, <laughs> over to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989. This is directed by Jeremiah Chezchekik? Chekik? Yeah, probably. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to him if he's still alive and listening to this. I mispronounced (laughs) your name. Uh, Written by John Hughes, uh, starring Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, Juliet Lewis, Johnny Galecki, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The INDB plot summary, the Griswold family's plans for a big, Family Christmas predictably turn into a big disaster. So this movie for me is on the list and at my top of the list uh, for the second um, holiday episode because it captures for me the nostalgia of thinking back to Christmases in the past, um, but not with rosy, gra- rosy rose-colored glasses, 
um, mm-hmm. where everything was perfect and everything was perfect all the time. It's like, no, like in a realistic way um, where you're not going to always have or probably never the perfect Christmas because there is that is, an, you know, an impossible goal to have. Um, but it's still if, you know, you're surrounded by your family, it's still fun memories to think back on, even if things always didn't work out like either you had wished or like you had planned. Um, and I think this movie captures that really well because it's really not the point of Christmas isn't to have the perfect Christmas every year where everything is always goes according to plan. It's just, again, to be with the with the people that you love and with your family um, and the people that you care about and people who care about you. And what I think this movie does well to convey this is that um, it kind of goes through a lot of the things that you do remember at, uh, growing up uh, with with uh, celebrating Christmas and even, you know, due to this day, picking out the tree hanging up Christmas lights, you know, going Christmas shopping, having the relatives, you know, come over, um, eating the family meal. But it so it has all those things, but they're all not perfect. Like the Christmas tree, you know, is, uh, you know, they take cut it down and it's uh, got animals living in it. Um, the the meal that they make, the turkey is terrible, it, like deflates on the kitchen table, um, you know, hanging up the lights. Chevy Chase like falls down and like, you know, there's all these kind of disasters that happen to him. Um, and, uh, you know, the families are, the family fights a lot, uh, when the relatives come over. So it's not perfect, but you know, Christmas never was. Um, and I think that's what uh, I see whenever I watch this movie, it's like reminds me of all those, those great memories. And yeah, like I, I sort of appreciate the fact that they are, you know, um, not, uh, through just the lens of nostalgia where everything was perfect. Um, and then, you know, there's some schmaltzy moments in this movie too. Um, you know, there's, there's a sequence where, you know, Clark gets trapped in the attic and he's go back watching old movies of his childhood Christmases. Um, so that, that is definitely like played for, Oh, everything was perfect. You know, back then, why is it so perfect? But then there's a great kind of counterpoint to that moment when, you know, after Clark kind of reminisces and his dad's there and he's talking to his dad and saying like, look, like. I'm trying to create this perfect Christmas. Like it was always perfect for us. Like, how did you do it? You know, dad, how'd you do it? And he's like, well, I had a little bit of help with like from Jack Daniels, like implying that it was hard and it actually really wasn't perfect even back then. <laughs> and that now, you know, Clark is the dad. He's going to have to, you know, deal with things not being perfect, even though you strive for it. And I think that's really like how I, again, look back on my Christmas memories and the hopes and dreams when you're a kid, you look forward to that day every year. And, you know, it's going to be not perfect in some way. Maybe you burn the cookies a little bit or you don't get all the gifts you want or, you know, you're, you know, the gravy's a little bit off that year or something. But look, that's sort of the fun of a, a realistic uh, Christmas with with the, with the family. Um, so, you know, this movie actually is interesting because I like the vacation franchise, uh, the, the vacation franchise that Chevy was in. But I always really liked the European vacation as a kid. And this movie wasn't really in much heavy rotation when I was little. Like, I wasn't a big fan of Chevy Chase, really, outside of, uh, you know, European vacation, a couple of other films. But the like the older I would get and just kind of stumble upon this movie, um, you know, over the years on TV or something, it did start making me appreciate more of that the theme that I was just mentioning. It's like looking back and realize things weren't perfect and having Christmas memories you can think back to from 10 or 15 years ago. And then it started really resonating in me a lot more. Um, and I really grow to appreciate this movie a lot more and find it actually really funny, but also endearing and, you know, kind of uh, identify with, with Clark Griswold in certain ways. I mean, not that I'm a father who's trying to create the perfect Christmas for his family, but it just, you know, it, it, it makes me appreciate a lot more just the reality of the, the life that we live that isn't always perfect. Um, so it's just interesting. Like it helps me appreciate Christmas more. The fact that I'm seeing this movie now, it is in my rotation now in like the past five or six years, but I didn't really come to, to, um, appreciate it, I guess, in that way, 
uh, when I, when I was little. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not perfect. I think, you know, the eighties came out in the late eighties. So there's definitely like a lot of, you know, themes and materialism that I think, you know, John Hughes kind of plays with a little bit in most of his films. And it, it just still is, um, the older I get to, it's like the, the way that the movie treats their neighbors who, Julie Reed Dreyfus and this other guy who were just trying to have a good time, like, you know, just hang out, have their nice, mm-hmm. their version of Christmas, uh, which is just some wine alone, you know, no kids because they don't have any and just enjoy it. the movie to just consist consistently, like kind of gives them a hard time, like things smash through the windows. Everything goes wrong for no reason. And they're like mad at the Griswolds. And I'm like, OK, I, they should be mad. And like, why is the movie like crapping on them so much? Um, right. So I still don't really I mean, I kind of get they're trying to juxtapose people who the movie's kind of judging these folks who right. don't have a family. So it's not like a, it's a cold and, and not really a real warm Christmas and the Griswold. And or, they go and, for a run. Right. must be demonic. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, well that's the eighties too. Right. right? Um, but uh, so that always run me the wrong way. And it still even does more, the more and more I watch this movie, I kind of wish they could have just excised all those scenes in the film. But uh, no, I, again, I think this captures perfectly a realistic Christmas by showing a comedy where it's heightened reality in the film, but that just helps you remember that. Yeah. Like your Christmases weren't always perfect too, but in a way they were because you were, you're with your family, hopefully with your family. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's Christmas vacation Two John Hughes movies back to back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They could have been a third one almost. Um, but I would talk about that in my honorable mention. Oh, but, okay. Um, I had not seen this movie before. So yeah, all three of her movies I had not watched before. So this was my first time seeing it. Hmm. I think I've seen maybe one other National Lampoon movie, maybe just Vacation, but I don't mm-hmm. remember much of it. So I don't really have, you know, a sort of personal deep connection with the Vacation uh, National Lampoon series per se. Um, your read on the movie when I'm hearing it from that lens actually makes me want to go back and watch it again mm-hmm. with that sort of read. But I think I really found it pretty hard to sort of get over what we were just talking about, which mm-hmm. is, or I don't think we mentioned that, but the sort of man-child person trying oh, to sort of save- Chevy. Yeah. Christmas, you know, and do all these exaggerated heightened things and the lights and and then everybody else is in the wrong because we're trying to do this for this however old he is looks 50 to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, 50 year old man. I found that really silly and hard to kind of get over with it. And again, I get it. Like this is, you know, when do you watch these movies? If I had watched this movie as a teenager or a 20 year old, what have you, I think it would have just been automatically in the rotation and just sort of lived with me. And I know that is the case for so many people. Like this movie is on. I know a lot of lists. movies across yeah. the board always has been. So I apologize. I'm not a cold hearted Grinch <laughs> to not <laughs> like this movie, but I think it, it has to do a little bit with, you know, when are you meeting this movie and just meeting it now as in, you know, in my older years in my dotage, it's sort of hard to empathize with with this character of why are you kind of putting your yourself really and your family through all this. But I do appreciate your read on it, which is kind of trying to make things perfect with this sort of faulty memory mm-hmm. that things were always perfect, but actually they've never been perfect. That I think makes the movie a lot richer, but I I found it quite hard to kind of see that. 
I was sort of caught up in mm-hmm. in the shenanigans, uh, if you will, and and they were often annoying. Uh, so. Yeah, like as I mentioned, like I'm not a Chevy guy. Like I, some people, like Chevy was like their uh, comedic idol growing up. Right. Like I never really was into Chevy. Um, Same. And I think um, if I had also came to this movie for the first time right now too, and it's not the fact that I'm older necessarily. I think it's just that I've seen it so many times now and hadn't also really that. been hadn't really liked it much as a, like again this movie i was like oh, it's kind of overrated it's not really my thing i'm not into chevy and i just sort of like marinated in it just because it was always kind of around um mm-hmm. then i was like oh i kind of like now sort of have this kind of nostalgia for it and then saw through into this uh this right. message that i now take from the movie and can now enjoy those things other than how they treat the neighbors um even though yeah chevy's totally a boob but that's kind of like his his aesthetic which i still i'm not like a chevy guy now um so it didn't convert me to that um, but I totally get where where you're coming from of just like the the silliness of the film um, is it because it is so because Chevy is very like physical comedy over the top kind of slapstick too. It's easy to get um, kind of distracted through that, which again I was too for yeah for a long time. And more so than him, I think it's the writing, and maybe it's also the time period. Like I feel bad for the wife and the children of his. Like oh. they have to go through all of this for really what you know and so and again maybe if he also looks so old in the movie which also doesn't help like he looks 50 which sort of makes it even more comical that um, comical in like a bad way that (laughs) gosh you're still stuck on this like why you need you need help like actual help (laughs) so but I, I like your read and I don't know, maybe I, I if you say that the, the European vacation is your favorite, maybe I'll go watch that because uh, I don't have anything against Chevy. I think he's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, I just also have not seen too much of his stuff. So I'm not willing to kind of write him off or uh-huh. the whole franchise off just yet. But but yeah, this this didn't really land. Yeah, um, no, it I can uh, understand, especially the first we said you think you might have seen the first vacation, but th- this so. being this being the first of those films to to see, I could see where this would not like because it's it's it learns the same lesson in every movie. It's like a franchise, right? So he has to be like oh, overly see. trying to be the perfect dad, and then he kind of messes up in every potential way, and it's not perfect. And I think that is again what uh, you know John Hughes was trying to go for with this franchise of uh, you relate to him because he's striving for the best but never gets there whether it's a family vacation out west or mm. you know a trip big trip to Europe you get the family together and everything's going to be great um but for some reason the christmas thing uh resonates with me now more than those others mm. in a way like kind of forgive it a little bit cuz you do like striving for the perfect christmas is something i think a lot True. of people can relate to a little more than like putting a in a road trip out to Wally world, like in the first film on some kind of pedestal. But, right, um, right. you know, I, I, I hear you on, on the, the I would uh, say criticisms. if just, if the wife, especially, and maybe the kids to a point as well, just had like a little bit more agency. So it was mm. just not his show entirely. Yeah. I think I would be a lot more on board with it. Cause then it yeah. would feel like, and I think that's what home alone and, other movies and such well actually i shouldn't say one because that's very much the mom's show the dad is sort of oh oh right 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 the dad's not, not in really the picture there. per se yeah, yeah. parents standpoint but right. but yeah i think watching this movie now i just i'm like what is the wife doing what is yeah. what what is she doing like she should be putting her foot down or talking to this 
man child you know but maybe that is the point that they don't have those kind of conversations perhaps <laughs> that might speak more to chevy chase as an as an actor who was like one of the biggest egomaniacs in hollywood uh, um, yeah. that i you know that sort of captured in his movies where the mm-hmm. movie's literally just about him and no one else has an agency because no it's all about it's all about chevy um <laughs> which is you know the opposite of what christmas and holidays are all about you shouldn't be self-centered um and uh you should just uh you know give more than you than you receive Um, so i guess the movie is metatextual i guess (laughs) i guess so yeah sorry Um, you don't mean to poop all over on chevy chase i'm sure people love him and and that's fine you know yeah 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 i'm not gonna defend i'm not you know i'm not a chevy guy so i'm not gonna defend him uh okay uh were there any other movies that didn't make on make your list uh yeah there uh i would have definitely put planes trains and automobiles on there if you hadn't done that uh, that's definitely a classic that's worth talking about uh two films you talked about uh in free and other episodes uh elf and jingle all the way i definitely would have put on there um and then some other christmas films muppets christmas carol bad santa it's a wonderful life um and then gotta make mention of die hard and die hard too. <laughs> Yeah, this time around with my themes, I almost put in A Bishop's Wife, uh, Home Alone Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Watched it again, actually, a couple of weeks ago. And man, that movie is amazing and Mm -hmm. holds up so well. Uh, I I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. So that one. Uh, And then also Christmas in Connecticut. And it happened on Fifth Avenue. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That's a a good list. Yeah, interesting, too, that we had... uh... John Hughes seems to come up a lot and and I've just thought yeah. about over the last couple episodes. Um, there's been a lot of John Hughes. So it clearly was shaped a lot of our, our childhoods um, from opposite sides of the globe. That goes to his power, yeah. I guess. I mean, that's sort of what they were saying on the Rewashwas episode that he might be one of the top three directors who shaped the eighties. And, mm. you know, we were both born in the eighties. Yes. Yeah. Don't so age us, but yeah, we were. It- so I know, <laughs> but it makes sense that a yeah. lot of this stuff, you know, we've grown up with it essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how to be in school, be friends, fall yeah. in love, all of those things. He sort of laid out the movie template for that, mm-hmm. that we then watched in the nineties perhaps. So yeah, no, you're right. Sense. It, yeah. It is just interesting. Just kind of looking back a little bit over the last several episodes, as you mentioned, it's been a year since the, the previous one of just different filmmakers appearing a lot on each of our lists. It's just, pretty interesting for the avid listener can go back and find those patterns too (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh for all of you listening uh we hope you have a very happy holidays Mm -hmm. uh, with family or if you're with yourself but you know enjoy yourself uh self-care and eat good uh and yeah we'll see you next time yes uh happy holidays karan happy holidays to you too These are not pillows!